Hey there all you DC Comics News fans, DC Comics fans, fans of comics, stories, or top five lists. You have arrived at the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. This is episode number 78, and I am your host, Seth Singleton. My job, each and every week, is to share with you my top five picks from DC Comics. And from there, well, it's just a great conversation. Of course, it's only a two-way conversation. When you write back and let me know what you're thinking, stay tuned to the end for all the ways I tell you how to do that. And before we get to the end, let's start with the beginning. By that I mean, let's go through our first book, My First Choice, here on episode number 78 of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. That first choice is Justice League number 55. It's written by Joshua Williamson with pencils by Robeson Rocha, inks by Daniel Enriquez, colors by Romulo Fajardo Jr., Tom Napolitano on the letters with an original cover by Liam Sharp and Romulo Fajardo Jr., as well as a variant cover by Simone Bianchi. I love the original cover. There's something about what Liam Sharp does when it comes to work, and it's really quite phenomenal when he puts it all down on page. And to be expected like a true professional, this cover is no exception. The art continues. It is wonderful and gorgeous, haunting and horrifying to begin with, and then quickly the magic and the wonder of Doom Metal Part 3 begin to overtake us, and we're reminded of the fact that this is a landscape that the heroes have stumbled into, they have been rejoined and regathered, some Titans, some not all Justice League members now, searching for a way forward. But they are trapped in a valley of Staros who are feeding them convincing promises of what could be if they would simply give up their fight and recognize that the place where they are is the place they've always been and were meant to be. Lex Luthor, of course, is there to ruin it all, but this time it's for a good cause because he believes that the heroes actually have a chance. He's only angry that they decided not to listen to him and have therefore put themselves in this frustrating predicament, one that he does not wish to be a part of and is now chasing and chastising them for allowing themselves to be sucked into it's heart-wrenching for so many of them, whether it's Bobo missing his good friend, the former wielder of the sword that can divide and separate and enter dimensions, or whether it's for Kendra and her constant yearning for a rekindling with John Johns that has been held at bay by the continuing events of Doom. Now the plan is fairly simple. Everything is stacked against them and there is no easy way forward. Lex Luthor can sense the changes occurring within the Batman who laughs and the power and control he has over the world that Lex has become so accustomed to. However, he still believes that even if the Batman who laughs in his new persona is many steps ahead of them, it is still possible to free the Legion and for Lex to get close enough to kill Perpetua. But the plan quickly unravels upon arrival at Brimstone Bay when Kendra is called away and Perpetua's Omega Knight makes its awesome appearance. There's a cliffhanger and it's not 
a pretty one, but it does make it all that much more desirous. For Justice League number 56 and the next part of this saga to be revealed. Great story. I mean, the, the art is just constantly gorgeous. And I love the way it continues to capture this nightmare landscape. This impossible present that the heroes are fighting to undo and bring to an end. And yet at the same time, even if there is a way for things to be fixed, it's probably an impossibility for them to be restored. How then to move forward? What then to do next? Well, those are all questions that are facing the team now, but survival seems to be the most pressing concern. In response to that, we are left to see just what they will do and how they can find their way through this next and probably not the last part of their journey. I love the amazing storytelling from Joshua Williamson, the gorgeous, phenomenal art, whether it's the pencils by Ropes and Roach, or the inks by Enriquez, or the colors by Fajardo Jr. It's luscious, it's gorgeous, it is wondrous, fantastical, and hopefully a nightmare that can never come true. And that's your first pick here on episode number 78, the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, a great 5 out of 5, and a great launching off point. Which means it's time to talk about my second choice. So, without waiting too long, let's go ahead and dive right into that second book. And for that one, I had to go with Dark Knight's Death Metal, Robin King, number one. Now, I was actually surprised by this because the Robin King seems like a really unpleasant character that I, for the most part, didn't think I was going to enjoy. I mean, there is something, of course, appealing to me about the twisted version of a character I've come to know so well, and how the twisted version then takes on a likeness that reminds me of all the best things about a great character, and yet horrifies me for all the nightmares that this version of the character has become. There's some great stuff early on, and overall, it's an amazing story, but that's not the only part that gets me. Now, starting things off, we've got the main story, The Robin Who Would Be King, by Peter J. Tomasi, with art by Riley Rosmo, colors by Ivan Placencia, Rob Lay on the letters, Riley Rosmo on the original cover, Jeremy Roberts on the variant cover. Riley Rosmo was probably the first part of this. I've loved his work on the recent Martian Manhunter series and everything he's done since, and this was just really quite, quite a gorgeous take. I mean, Firestorm was really where I saw to myself, hey, that's Riley Rosmo, and this is all the stuff I know and love. And that was a great feeling. Uh, there were also these amazing takes on some fun characters that you might not recognize, and yet at the same time feel so oddly familiar. I'm talking about Hans Von Hammer and Steve Savage, and then the likenesses of characters like, well, the Hawk people, whether it's Hawkman or Hawk Woman, together they are quite, well, powerful, and yet when facing off against the might of the Robin King, they seem so ineffectual, much like Adam Strange and many others, and this sense of this crow, this twisted version of a Robin, this idea behind the Robin, what it does, how it treats other creatures and nests and 
how quite beautiful and deadly and dangerous. And yet how for this Robin King, so much of what he is choosing to do and has chosen to done is about an invisible crowd cheering him on, seeking to see him overcome the impossible, even when the Batman who laughs begins to put his own measures in play, even when it's an attempt to twist and shape and remake the eventual Robin King into a, a version of one of those twisted minions who serve the Batman who laughs. It's the Robin King who continues to fight to be what he is, who he is, individual and identified separately from the Batman who laughs. But that's not to be. The Batman who laughs has the power to exist outside of the time that the Robin King understands. And because of that, he is subject to all the consequences that go with it. Now, it's not just that story that makes this book my second choice for episode number 78. It's actually the second story that follows, one by Tony Patrick. His writing is supported by art by Daniel Samper, colors by Adriana Lucas, letters by Enworld Design, and I really loved this second story, how we get a chance to see some members of the Bat family. You've got a future for a woman who has been known as Batgirl and Orphan, and then you've got Signal. And the way they are getting thoroughly trounced by yet another version of the Batman, twisted by the Batman who laughs, standing at Castle Bat, and really just getting thumped beyond recognition. This is a dangerous villain known as Quietus, who seems to have Signal, Orphan, at his mercy, and then decides to monologue for a bit, all about how he contains and carries with him the resurrection, the life-giving fluids that had been so much a key ingredient to Ra's al Ghul's Lazarus Pits, and how because of that he is so much more than anything they are. And yet Signal has the ability to draw on powers he's recently discovered in Batman and the Outsiders. And the way they come into play with this story is a lot of fun. And also shows us an interesting way forward that at first the Robin King and even Justice League number 55 suggest are not going to be the ways that this battle is won. But this young team, this grand group... You've got Robin, you've got Batgirl, you've got Orphan, you've got Signal, and you've got some possibilities with the identities. But don't let all that get in the way. This is a phenomenal story, one that I think will really capture your attention, and I hope is something I'll hear from you about. It was an interesting discovery, and it was something that really moved me to choose Robin King as my second choice, which means... It's time for us to take that amazing ad break so we can let you know all the great things going on here at DC Comics News and how you can be a part of it. And after that, we come back for my third, fourth, and fifth choices. I'm hoping you'll be here with me. I can't wait to share them with you. 
Coming right back after these ads here on the DC Comics News, Spinner Rack. Hi everyone, I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News podcast. Here every week to talk everything DC. Movies, TV, comics and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it, here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) No. Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First, there was the DC Comics News podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh look, Gogur. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not f*** bat. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. A lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. (laughs) Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. F***ers. And you're back right here on the Spinner Rack. Thanks for hanging out for all those great ads. Hope we had the chance to catch up with all the stuff you should know, might know, and well, we never want to miss the chance to remind you of all the great things you can know. That's those ads right here on the Spinner Rack. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. We are getting back to our third, fourth, and fifth choices. And for my third choice, I went with Catwoman number 26 in a story called The Big Shake-Up. We get this amazing writing from Ram V, who I 
Really loved his work in number 25 and recent stories, as well as stories all over the place. Uh, he's got Fernando Blanco with the art, FCO Placencio with the colors, Tom Napolitano with the letters, Joel Jones and Laura Allred with the original cover, and a variant cover by Jenny Frisson. Man, you're hard-pressed to pick which one. I mean, the, the variant cover is gorgeous. Catwoman on this red couch, surrounded by cats, one on the lap, and her and the cats all sort of watching the reader, the viewer, intently. But the original cover gives a hint to some of our story and what we can be expecting in this issue and ones to follow the arrival of someone known as Father Valley. So who is Father Valley? Well, he's a player on the scene who's been brought in by a one Mr. Oswald Cobblepot to take care of Selena, teach her a lesson, especially after she decided to make off with all that money and help out the despicable Mr. Bruce Wayne. Carl Sink, a.k.a. Charles Valley, a.k.a. Valle Muerto, a.k.a. Father Valley, has arrived in Alleytown and is quickly getting the attention of local law enforcement and even members of the FBI. But what's also getting the attention is how Selena has decided to make her big shakeup a series of moves after learning who the new players are in town, whether it's Nahigian in the Narrows or others like Colex and Pitt Rollins. Each one has a foothold within Alleytown and the city, and through them, Selena will begin moving they and herself as chess pieces. Her first strike is a rather eloquent and beautifully demonstrated technique of mastery and skill, one in which very little is harmed, and yet Selena is quickly able to offer up a message, or at least that's how things appear at first. And then we get this great little flash moment that reveals the actual interaction that occurred at a place that appears to be a chop shop and was well-staffed. After Selena makes her introduction and establishes who rules the roost there, her team moves in and she begins the next stage of her plan. Selena points out the fact that she was inspired by the person whose residence she now occupies, and because of that, she has learned just what is needed if you're going to rule Alleytown. It was Mama Fortuna who held the place before her, who demonstrated the importance of being up high enough to see when threats and trouble are coming your way. This way, you're prepared miles in advance, instead of when they just show up at your door. Clearly, Selena has taken this into serious consideration, and because of that, she is making her first of many moves to not only secure her position, consolidate her assets, but put herself in a place of power where even those who wish to come back for her with revenge, and perhaps in the guise of Father Valley, perhaps in the guise of other assassins, she will have enough resources to adequately defend herself, those she cares about, and give her and Batman the chance to reconnect.
We'll have more about that one in just a bit. But for now, Catwoman number 26, my third choice, a great 5 out of 5 book, and not a bad spot to pick up on a story that is most likely to get much wilder, and I would say to the benefit of the reader. Now for my fourth choice, I decided to go with a book that uh, on first appearances I wasn't sure would be among this list, but having since read Catwoman afterwards and realizing that she would, and then the threads that I was able to make out in Batman number 101, I felt it was important to include it because I took a second look. There are many reasons. There is more than one for why I landed on this book and also why I made it my fourth choice. In a story, After the Laughter, by a writer whose name I don't always pronounce correctly, and so for the purposes of this and perhaps further issues in which he is the writer, I shall simply refer to him as James IV, as he so often occurs on Twitter. James IV's writing is supported by the amazing art from Guillaume March that captures the wonder, the horror, the majesty, and the loveliness that is possible within Gotham, and the price that's paid for those moments. Gorgeous colors by Tomu Mori illuminate and deepen the richness of this visual appearance. Clayton Cowles with the amazing letters, Guillaume March and Tomu Mori with the original cover, and Francesco Mattina on the variant cover. In a story in which we see Batman trying to remember a time when there was this great groove and being lulled and then pulled out of his reminiscing by Selina, who knows that he's on the verge of doing something and saying something. And then we get this flashback, an introduction to a classic Wildcats figure I'm talking about. Well, talking about Grifter. The exchange appears to show Grifter getting an upper hand right before he is called off by Lucius Fox, who is suffering and greatly, and begins to offer up a review, if not a synopsis, and a recall of recent events and how they have placed Gotham and Batman and Lucius in the position where they are now. This is part of what really makes this issue interesting for me. Because Lucius is describing to Batman, to Bruce Wayne, how it is that things will have to operate moving forward. Less money quickly at the disposal, more questions and scrutiny over Bruce Wayne's finances and the knowledge of how much was taken and how much of it is connected to Batman. And what that will mean for operations and so much more, which then leads to a great conversation that we left off with between Batman, between Bruce and Catwoman, Selina. And the fact that he, Batman, Bruce Wayne, has made some plans for this new future, ones in which he will move closer to the city, actually move into the city, that he's got a brownstone he didn't even know he owned, and that from there he will begin a new phase, a new stage in the chapter of the Batman, and in doing so, create a new legacy, one that doesn't bolt in from outside the city limits, but lives right there, as he describes it, feeling the heartbeat, to which Selina says, one year 
is what she'll give him to get things all worked out and for them to decide that they can be who they are together properly. Interestingly, I'm curious how this could also tie into the upcoming Batman Catwoman series that Tom King is authoring and should be appearing on shelves soon. But also because in the past I've seen moments when Batman has reviewed his past, gone back over the steps that made him who he was, but it's always been as part of a relaunch. And that's not quite the case in this example. Instead, the reasons behind it have to do with the Joker War, but the purpose for it is not something like a rebirth of DC Comics. It is an opportunity for Batman, who is broken, to be remade, and in the process for Bruce Wayne and Batman to rediscover the city that they love and the reasons why they have been fighting for it, potentially along the way, also learning just what it is they might have been missing while they've been so far away from the city and all the things that are best remembered when you live there. Should be a really great launch for a new chapter in the story of the Batman, James the Fourth has proven himself well with Joker War, and now it's the aftermath and all the things to look forward to this next phase of the Batman, the challenges that lie ahead, and what kind of great stories we can expect to come out of it, the reasons why this is a 5 out of 5 choice, and my fourth for this episode. Which means it's time for my fifth and final choice in this great 5 out of 5 selection. I'm talking about Nightwing number 75. I'm also talking about the amazing writing from Dan Jurgens, who has really done wonderful stuff with a character that I love and continues that same trajectory, that great energy in the story. Who is Dick Grayson? Now, Dan Jurgens isn't doing this alone. He's joined by Travis Moore and Ronan Cliquet on the art, Nick Filardi on the colors, animal design on the letters, Travis Moore and Alejandro Sanchez on the cover and Alan Qua with the variant cover. Your choice, the original is gorgeous with a hulking figure in the distance, one familiar to fans, especially for his role in bringing Nightwing through the arc that he's recently faced and to the place that he's at now. Now Jurgens is describing the idea in this story of what it's like to be Dick after all these events and what it's like to try and reconnect with familiar faces like Donna Troy, or Garth, you know, Aqualad. They both have some interesting twists on their appearance, and they're there to remind Dick of just what it is that was so important to them. There's even hints about going back to Titan's Tower, but we don't get to hang out long because this story isn't just about Dick Grayson. It's about the person who caused Dick to lose his memory, who shot him in the head. I'm talking about the KG Beast, and the experiences he faces back home, where in Russia, missing or hitting the thing but not actually killing it is a demonstration of weakness, not of skill. Now, if you happen to be the KG Beast, if your name is Anatoly Kniaziv, well, this could be difficult to stomach unless you're comfortable beating or killing everyone who attempts to mess with you. Now, what I also love about this issue is that Jurgens is tying up some loose ends when it comes to, well, Dick, Babs, and those who took his place as the Nightwings. 
they are given the chance to step away and he lets them know that even someone as talented, trained as he is, became a victim very quickly to a talented and dangerous professional like the KG Beast and how lucky so many of the Night Wings were when, whether it was Talon or the Joker, did not actually kill them and only crippled one of their member. But this story has as much to do with that as it does with the events that caused that. We're talking about Dick Grayson struggling with who he is, struggling with Batman's desire to return him back to the place where he was, his struggle to do so without the father figure he's always known, which is Alfred, and finally, what it means when the KG Beast decides that the only way to do things is to go back and finish what he started. How is that going to play out in future issues of Nightwing? Well, there's a cliffhanger. There is a life at risk, and there is the sense of impending doom facing Richard Grayson. But then again, he survived a shot in the head. He survived amnesia, being twisted by the Court of Owls, by the Joker, by so many. What then is it that Dick Grayson can draw on now after all of those challenges in order to take down the man who put him through one of his greatest heartaches? I think it's going to be a really interesting story. I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out. I've got a lot of faith in Dan Jurgens. I think he's done a wonderful job so far. And I'm sure so much more exciting and wonderful stuff is waiting, which is why Nightwing number 75 is my fifth and final choice and a great 5 out of 5 pick for episode number 78 of DC Comics News Spinner Rack. I've been your host, Seth Singleton. I want to let you know that you can make sure that you never miss out on an episode of the Spinner Rack or all the other great content here at DC Comics News. All you have to do is go to that podcast player you're listening on, whatever that platform is, and hit subscribe. Now, if you want to tell your friends one of all the big ones, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, more, or whatever platform you're listening to, tell others, tell friends, tell strangers about who we are and how you can let them know how they can be a part of all of this great and magical wonder. When you and they do subscribe, you'll make sure you never miss an episode of DC Comics News Spinner Rack, the weekly podcast with all the great news from movies, television, streaming, and more exclusive interviews, and really fun, irreverent comedy and content like Mad Love, Harley Quinn cast, uh, Batman, the animated series, as captured by Mr. Steve J. Ray in his amazing episode by episode breakdown, titled I Am the Night. There's more coming your way, and we want to make sure you're a part of it. How can you do so? Well, that's easy. All you have to do is make sure you subscribe to the DC Comics News Podcast Network, and all of those great treasures will be yours as soon as they get published. And of course, you can let me, us, know all the things you're thinking. All you have to do is go to your favorite social media platform, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, or another one where you happen to see us. Use the at symbol in DC Comics News. That's at capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N-E-W-S. When you do, you'll send a message to the whole gang about what you're thinking, what you want, what you have questions about, whether it's for 
regular episode of DC Comics News Weekly Podcast or an episode of DC Comics News The Spinner Rack or any of our other content. And you can let us know what you like, what you don't, and more. And should you have something for me specifically? Well, you can always find me, Seth Singleton, on Twitter is one more singleton, Instagram is Seth the Writer. Well, I will point out my dogs, Bruno and Fiji, are much cuter. And why I would highly encourage you to check them out as well. And if you choose them over me, I won't get mad. That's going to be okay. And if you're up for an adventure, just type my name, Seth Singleton, in the word story into a search engine and see what comes up. Let me know how you found me, what you have to say, and I can't wait to have a great conversation with you. With that, this is the end of DC Comics News. The Spinner Rack, episode number 78. I've been your host, Seth Singleton. And as our final reminder, until we see and talk with you again, always read more comics. Can't wait to share another episode of The Spinner Rack with you. See you soon.